Hello, welcome. This is the audio version of the latest article in the Beachhead Market series. By Jeroen Koele, the writer from I Want Product Market Fit. So, I reached the magic 1000 subscriber milestone. That's great. So, welcome to all 83 new subscribers, which put a total of subscribers on 1,074. So this is the last part of our Beach at Market series. And yeah, this is one of those super historic pieces by me. And I love it. It's maybe a longer read than usual. So maybe listening is the better one if you don't like reading. The story is how the steam engine got product market fit. People always needed to move things. Like moving wood around, rising up water, plowing fields, you name it. Right now, we have a lot of things for that, such as pumps. Uh, before pumps, people hoisted buckets of water. That's not very efficient. In general, in the year 1700, peoples and animals created 99% of all that kinetic power. 200 years later, 50% of that power is generated by steam. Even though the steam engine changed the world for good, it wasn't a home run for the, from the start. This is a story of how one inventor got some traction but missed product market fit and how a second inventor got product market fit. So who invented the steam engine? Well, of course, the Greeks did it first. The idea of steam-propelled kinetic energy is about 2,000 years old. An Aelopili, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's also known as Hero's Engine and it was a toy around 25 BC. What you would have is what looks like a fireplace, and on top of that is some kind of barbecue, but it's closed off. In the barbecue is water, and that water would get into steam. It would transform into steam. There were two tubes connected to the closed-off barbecue that would run up into a ball, and that ball actually would have two nozzles, exhausts, and that would cause the ball to spin. This is the best visual description I can do for you. In the article, there's an image of the hero's engine. It had no particular function other than being a cool party trick in the Greek days. And even though hero's engine demonstrated some potential, it remained that party trick for about 1,700 years. So the first invention we call the steam engine was put forward by Thomas Savory in 1698. He invented the first steam-powered water pump. It's not really an engine, because there is not really moving parts except for the valves, but historians like to call this an engine. And he uses the fact that water expands when heated and contracts when cooled, and this generates pressure differences. And these pressure differences could pump up water. And Savory had this amazing new technology and got a patent. And the patent, simply put, was use fire, get force to pump or generate motion. It was quite a broad patent, and that will serve handy later. So, where to take this contraption that is now legally protected, at least in the UK, he could try to embark on capitalizing on this invention. And he had many ideas for beachhead markets, such as in mills, water supply companies, and mines. And mines were the true price. What made mining such an interesting market? Well, around 1700, many industries, such as metalworking, grew... And by that, the demand of fuel grew. Wood and coal were vastly popular as fuel sources. However, 
wood got scarcer as England literally was cutting themselves clean of trees. Like in 1400, 10% of the land area of England was trees. In 1900, it was 5%. So they were getting rid of a lot of trees. And this raised the price of wood over a short period by a thousand percent. So people started to import wood from Norway as an alternative, but that's quite expensive. And as a consequence, other fuel sources also started to rise in price. For example, the price of coal rised by 800%. However, coal has a much better energy density. It packs three times as much energy per kilogram than wood. In short, coal became the new gold. And for that, there was a lot of capital in the coal mining industry. So what can a steam engine do in a coal mine? Well, it can pump water. And this is something I didn't understand the first time I read about steam engines because I'm not really a mining expert. So to keep up with the increasing demand of coal, deeper and deeper the miners dug into the mines. And what happens if you dig deeper? You will hit water wells and water reservoirs. This is These are these... That lakes of water under the ground. And the moment you hit such a water, your mine overflows. And then you're stuck with a problem. You need to drain the mine as soon as possible. Because every second you are drained, you are not mining. And that's a big problem because this is very costly. The third reason why the mining business would be so interesting is because the alternatives for this problem were inferior. At least in Savory's mines. Mining is quite an old activity. There are mines, let it be in a different form, that have been found around the agricultural revolution. So that's 10,000 BC. So how did people dewater mines before the steam engine? Well, sometimes they used bucket hoisting systems, and that literally is just a bunch of people or letters passing on buckets with water. Uh, an Archimedes crew uh, connected to horses that are walking around to get water somewhere. Uh, mechanical pumps uh, or water wheels. Um, what most of these alternatives in common is that they required manpower or horsepower, and that hindered the speed at which a mine could be dewatered, and that created uncertainty in downtimes. So water wheels could generate this force, but it could only generate power if there was a water stream nearby. Savory knew all this, and he saw an opportunity for his steam engine. So, so what did Savory get? In the end, Savory had 33 engines built. They were installed where water pumping was required. We can find sources mentioning water supply or in mills. And there's mention even of Tsar Peter I having one installed in his garden in St. Petersburg. So they would work quite well. One savory engine installed at a water supply worked for over 18 years. But what about the price? The mines? Well, actually, very few. Some sources actually mentioned zero savory engines have been installed in mines. James Watt's autobiography mentions only one savory engine ever being installed. So sassy. And savory really wanted to sell to the mines. He even made a brochure called The Miner's Friend as a marketing campaign. It's some, yeah, maybe a white paper, Avant la Lettre. There was just this one big obstacle, and that is that Savory's machine was not superior. Zero mines. Why? Because the business case seemed so good. And it was. But for the business case to work, and for the 
Beechett market to be captured, one needed a superior machine, and Saver's machine wasn't. So the severe pressure on the vessels, which contained the steam, that Saver used, would explode. Explosions were not uncommon. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't like exploding things in my workplace, right? Another big issue was that Savory's engine could only pump water up to around 6 to 10 meters. And some mines were already 100 meters deep in 1700. And this is actually listed by quite some historians as a key problem that hindered adoption. And another thing was, Savory's engine was extremely inefficient. It was not profitable to use. So... These limitations of Savory's machine could not be circumvented by itself. Like, one could install 10 Savory engines to get to 100 meters, but is that profitable? Well, it turns out most people said no. Um, so a market can be very tempting, but if you don't have the right product to serve it, that market is not yours to capture. So, 33 machines, not all that good. But there's a second attempt going on. Savory's engine was a feat of engineering in the end that got some traction, right? There clearly were some tech enthusiasts and innovators that experimented with the engine. However, it was not good enough to capture the entire mining market, or at least a big part of that. Um, For many historians, Savory's engine is like a stepping stone for the development of the steam engine that got much wider adoption. There were three issues, among others to be fixed, at least these three issues I will address here. So it's the explosion risk, the pumping power, and the inefficiency. So basically, we required the superior machine. And now, enter the game. Thomas Newcomen. He is an ironmonger that builds on Savory's design. He replaced the exploding vessel with a cylinder, among other things. And the use of the cylinder was very important because it could withstand much greater pressures. Explosion risk averted. Why didn't Savory think of this? Well, the creation of cylinders that could withstand such pressure was a specialty. Newcomen was an ironmonger and I assume that he knew a lot about this stuff. And this cylinder part would be crucial. Um, In the 18th century, when building his engine... Cylinders would be one of the parts that would not be skimped on and sometimes transported from specialists from other sides of the country. So the cylinder was one of many improvements, but in total the increased potential pressure resulted in an engine that was able to pump much deeper without the explosive risk. Then, it needs to be viable because Savory's machine was not very profitable. So remember that coal was the new gold and it was quite expensive. There's a downside to Newcomen's machine. It was still very inefficient. The first version converted less than 1% of its energy to power. However, where is coal the cheapest? At its source. Even though Newcomen's machine was inefficient, it was efficient enough. And historians believe that even though it was only 1%, close to the source was cheap enough that it would be viable. And therefore... Newcomen's inefficient engine was able to flourish. And when I say flourish, I really mean flourish. In the first 20 years, about 100 Newcomen engines were built, and that was a colossal business achievement for that time. By the end of the 18th century, over 1,000 Newcomen engines were built on the British Isle, and almost 50% of all steam engines built in that century were the Newcomen design. About half of all those steam engines in this 18th century is into the century were used for mining purposes. And Newcomen's 
engines were happily adopted in that market. So, Newcomen hit the mainstream market, whereas Savory hit some other markets and didn't grow further. Even though Savory was first, Newcomen's engine fully captured that market. Now, who owned the most money? Because Newcomen's engine was superior and got the traction Savory actually hoped for. However, Newcomen had an issue. He worked on the patent of Savory, and that patent was quite broad. It was a patent for a new invention for raising of water and occasioning motion to all sorts of millworks by the important force of fire. Basically, get fire move things. That's such a broad patent that it basically granted Savory a monopoly on steam engines. And it is generally seen that Newcomen himself didn't earn a lot on his invention as the royalties to Savory were very high. So Savory seems to be the winner here. Did Savory switch his business model from an engineering type of company to a licensing business? I couldn't find precise evidence of this. However, with Newcomen's engine taking off about 10 years after Savory's and Savory having this broad patent, it might give him less incentive to improve his own machine. So, Newcomen's engine actually got much better traction also in the mines. So what can we learn from this story about product market fit? Because it's a thousand engines versus 33. So one of them actually got much better product market fit. So one key question, and this is so basic, like what is the job to be done of your beachhead market? Savory seemed to assume his machine was good enough for mines, but pumping depth, a functional job to be done, was a deal breaker. Your product needs to complete that job. Next, what are the criteria of your beachhead market? And with criteria, I mean, against what does your target beachhead market measure the impact of that job? In this case, it was explosion risk and viability. Um, people don't want exploding things, and it should break even, actually generate more money than it costs. Even when Newcomen's engine would pump deeper, if it was not a viable option, it would not have got the traction it got. That's my take here. Um, a second thing we can learn is traction is good, increasing traction is better. So Savory stopped at 33 machines, but not everything sells itself. However, it could be that new traction between 7012 and 7032 removed the incentive for Savory to innovate. He had the patent after all. But don't just sit there waiting. If you build it, they won't come. Your business model defines how you measure product market fit. So Savory's product, the machine, eh, Savory's license, that's a pretty good <laughs> pretty good product, actually. So which product are you measuring against what market? So the licensing business of Savory was very successful. Everyone that was building new Comencina engines needed to pay royalties for Savory. So sometimes you need to reassess what actually are we good at. And the last thing is... And this is a quite broad one. You don't know what you don't know. So your product's limitations might need knowledge not available to you. You might not understand why your products are, are not working. And inviting others, external fresh minds to innovate with you can help. Um, don't do this all in isolation. This can either be customers or other founders or people with specific knowledge. Um, because they can help you with identifying their limitations and solving them. All right, a very, very short summary. Someone created a great machine that, create, that, that was a stepping stone to change the world for good. He capitalized on it. However, he didn't do the big engineering work to, make, to really get product market fit. 
do you need help with getting product market fit? This is my call to action. Then go to the website at um, iwantproductmarket.fit and there is a link, get one-on-one help. And if you need help by me to get to product market fit, I'm happy to help you. All right. Um, If you don't need help, but you still want to help me, you can vote in the article on how much that you like this article. Um, That will help me to make better articles in the future. Well, I know this is quite a long one. Um, I actually truncated a whole section. Um, So, yeah, this is the shortest that I could do it. Thanks for listening. And this was Jeroen Koehler for My World Product Marketing. Goodbye.